What's up, everyone? Welcome back to episode seven of the Process Podcast. I'm Charlie Lutkowski. My tag team partner, as usual, Nick Veronica. Nick, how you doing, man? Hey, Charlie. I'm good. How about you? I uh, can't complain. I'm on day four of uh, quarantine isolation. Uh, no, I'm not sick. No, I have no symptoms. I am just paranoid and don't want to go outside. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I don't blame you. Know, you. Walk the dog a little bit here and there. Um, you know, walked up to the mailbox, get get the mail. But other than that, man, I'm staying in. I don't have a lot of places to go right now, so I'm pretty good. You know, who's even better than pretty good is the Buffalo Bills. They've been cleaning up in free agency. Man, I'll tell you what, for lack of sports, you know, for not having anything on TV for the last however many days, it seems like it's been three weeks already. Um, free agency is pretty exciting all around. Buffalo, everybody. Um we got to dive right into it, man. Let's just go. All right, the trade for Stefan Diggs. I liked it a lot. How about you? You know, I, I, I liked it. You know, I know there's some people out there that were saying that they gave up too much for Stefan Diggs. Um, I don't feel that way so much. You know, I understand, okay, you got to give a first-round pick. It's a later-round first-round pick. Finally, we're not drafting in the top 10, right? Um, it's 22 overall. You give up that first-round pick. You get a wide receiver like Stephon Diggs. You're not going to get a wide receiver like him at 22 in the draft. At, the, at, the, at that point of the draft, you're most likely getting the third-best wide receiver, right? Um, so I, I liked it. I was okay with giving up the first round. And uh, obviously the, the later-round picks that we gave up as well, we had two extra, we had two picks in that round. Um, so I'm okay. You know, I, I'm okay with it. Um, and, uh, and Hey, we got something on pick back and we know what, uh, what this GM and, and, and staff can do with late round picks. I don't know if I'm hoping for anything out of that seventh, but so the, the full trade is Stefan Diggs and next and a seventh round pick from Minnesota. The bills sent this year's first, which is 22nd overall this year's fifth, this year's sixth and next year's fourth, which is a lot to give up. Not going to lie. It's a hefty. It's a it's a hefty trade. Definitely not. The Vikings definitely didn't give him away like the Texans gave away Hopkins. But um, yeah, I still I still liked it. Stefan Diggs is a proven commodity. You know what you're getting, and I think you had a great point. Drafting twenty second overall, the top guys are off the board. Rugs off the board. You have Jerry Judy definitely not going to be there. Some of the other guys, Lamb might not even be there. So you're looking. Um, and, a, and a rookie coming in who you hope might someday be Stefan Diggs. And for a team who is in, they're basically in their window, their quarterback's on his rookie deal, like this is their shot. And they now boast the top three receivers of Stefan Diggs, John Brown, and Cole Beasley. That's legit. Yeah, man. You know, I like the whole, my, my big thing with the Stefan Diggs deal, you know, bringing in a guy like him, he's 26 years old. He's got four years left on his current contract. Now, don't get me wrong. I right, he's got and four that's years big. Left on his contract. Right, but but if he comes in this year and he has a big year, you know he's going to want to restructure that that contract. Yeah, I was I was wondering that too because right now his cap hit is is roughly twelve million for per year for the rest of the contract for a top receiver. Like that's not bad at all. But he definitely does strike me as a guy who's going to want to restructure. I think so. I mean, not not just that. I think at 27 years old, if he can solidify himself as one of the top receivers in the league at that point, you know, maybe top even top 10 at that point, I think you need to pay the man what he deserves. Um, 
and we'll see what happens. You know, he's again, he's a young player at 26 with term left, and that's important. You know, you see it too much now where, where teams go out and they trade for a guy with maybe a year or two left on his contract or, or whatever it might be. Or you see a lot of times when these big name players become available, oh, they got one year left. They just don't want to play out their last year here. They'd rather go play somewhere else. So you're bringing in a guy, like I said, young. He has playoff experience, right? Um, you know, we all remember the Minnesota Miracle play. Um, and, and, and he can can go up and get the ball, which is one thing we did not have this year. Um, my only knock on Stephon Dix is that he's only six foot tall. He's not that six foot four receiver that everybody wants right now, but he is a go up and get it guy. I think a lot of the knock coming from Minnesota on him is that he can be kind of a prima donna. What do you think about that? I mean, dude, he's a wide receiver. <laughs> I mean, show me a wide receiver that's really not a prima donna, right? I mean, don't get me wrong. You got Cole Beasley right now in Buffalo who's fairly quiet. Same thing with John Brown. He's a fairly quiet guy. But think of all the big-name receivers we have. Even go back to Andre Reid. Andre Reid was a prima donna. You know, I feel like you can't be considered a number one receiver in the NFL if you are not a prima donna. I saw a Twitter, a GIF, or a video, or whatever it was, and I – Sort of laughed at it, but then I was like, ah, oh, man, that was like too real. They said uh, John Brown, you know, paired up with Josh Allen, and it was a picture of a guy trying to throw a frisbee golf, and in, instead of throwing it straight, he ends up like getting totally turned around and like throws it completely sideways. And it's like, man, like there's an actual chance like John Brown, who was upset with Kirk Cousins, is going to be like totally totally not having it with Josh Allen and I'm a little worried that it could go south that way no I I mean I don't know I I don't again I don't see Stefan Diggs being that guy I don't see any receivers on this team being being like that I think Josh does a good job leading the offense and he does a good job with that team um I mean look man guys have bought into Josh, right? They, they, they've bought into his leadership. They've bought into what he's able to do off the field. And I think a lot of guys on that team believe that he can produce and perform on the field. You know, you look at the guys they brought in last year, um, all the new guys, Mitch Morris, John Brown, Cole Beasley, and you look at how highly they talked of Josh Allen in just his second year. Um, I think when you, when you look at Josh Allen versus Kirk Cousins, you're getting two completely different quarterbacks. Right, um, yeah. Kirk Cousins, very good quarterback. He, he he's definitely gotten paid like it, um, but I I'm I think with Josh Allen, you have a young quarterback who can th- throw the deep ball, and and Stephon Diggs is a great deep ball threat as well. At this point, it's going to be Josh hitting him deep, which it was obviously a struggle last year with with John Brown, but. Um, I think Stephon Diggs does a much better job getting open off the line. He he does, he's a, he's a much better route runner. Not that John Brown's a bad route runner, but I I think he's a better route runner than John Brown. Um, and I just think he's going to give that extra target, and and I think that's going to be a huge help for um for Josh to be able to take that next step forward. Right? Um, if Cole Beasley's covered in the slot, guess what? You're going to have one or two guys outside that are going to be open. They can't double cover every receiver on your team. Someone's going to be open um, at all times. And you add Singletary to that mix right now, I that offense is very dangerous. 
and I, I don't see uh, Stephon Diggs, you know, throwing throwing that temper tantrum like he did in in Minnesota. Nor do I see McDermott allowing him to get away with that. Yeah, that's always that's always the thing. It's, it's if the coach can get him to buy in and get him to keep it under control, it can work. And if it's especially too if when you're winning, people are willing to sacrifice some of their own accolades for the team. And when you're losing, it goes the opposite way completely. So it'll be an interesting balancing act. And of all things, though, I feel like that is one of McDermott's biggest strengths is getting people to buy in and getting people all pulling the same direction. Exactly. And again, this coaching staff has done a great job. Um, and, and, and GM, you know, Mc, the McBean era has done a great job of getting guys to buy in and, uh, you know, not, not to plug our podcast, but to trust the process. And, and that's been a big big deal and I think you would not see them go out and get a guy that they felt like would not be able to buy into what they're doing so one one other thought I had here is that looking at those receivers we talked about last season the Bills were 20 tied for 24th in pass attempts this team is going to throw the ball a lot is what it feels like right now do you feel that way too um, I think you're going to see a good balance. I mean, I know at times Josh threw, you know, 30, 40 balls a game. You know, there were a few games that, that he was throwing a lot more than what I wanted to see him throw in his second uh, uh, season. But I do see, um, you know, them, them them utilizing that backfield a little bit more. Um, I'll be curious to see what they do at that number two slot. You know, if we there's some rumors going around right now about who they're looking at. Um, as an as a another running back on the team, um, but I don't necessarily see him throwing it more. But I think you're going to finally see Brian Dable's offense and what he wants because you know how much he loves to run that three receiver set. Oh yeah, and now, and now you have three solid receivers throughout. You know, um, I saw a thing on ES a thing on ESPN the other day. Um, the receivers. Two years ago, over the receivers coming into next season, it's just ridiculous. You know, you're going in. You had uh, um, Robert Foster at one point was your number two receiver. Now he might not. He's he's fighting for a job at this point, in my opinion. I know they brought him back on one year contract, but he could be fighting for a job. Um, but now you got Stephon Diggs, John Brown, and Cole Beasley as your one, two, and three. That that's a dangerous three to have, man. Yeah, I saw a tweet. I can't remember where I saw it from, but I, I think the second half of the season, the Bills used 11 personnel, which is one tight end, one running back, three receivers, um, more than any team in the league, is I think what I saw the tweet. Uh, I can't find it for you here. But uh, so that's interesting. They have three solid receivers. They got, I liked what I saw from uh, some of, from the tight ends last year. Some wasn't great, but it was something to build on at least. And Singletary, we know that we're both high on. Um, so listen, we like the move on offense. It was a lot, but we think it's worth it. I also like the free agents that they added on defense. Defensive end Mario Addison, defensive tackle Vernon Butler, defensive end Quinton Jefferson, and they also signed Josh Norman. This roster is shaping up pretty well. Yeah, you know, I like the Mario Addison signing. I think at that point, you know, you're bringing in a veteran guy. My only concern is at what point are we looking at Jerry Hughes and um, Trent Murphy maybe, I guess you could say lack of a better term, fight for a, for a spot on this team, right? 
I like Jerry Hughes a lot. And Trent Murphy, I think, started coming on towards the end of last season. I thought he had a very good playoff game as well against uh, Houston. But to me, there's only room for two of those three guys on this team. And you know Mario Addison's not going anywhere. So is it going to be Trent Murphy or is it going to be Jerry Hughes? My yeah. big knock on Jerry Hughes is how many times have you seen him play the other side on defensive line? He's only played on one side of that line. Every he is not versatile. You can't he can't play the other side. He can only play one side. I'm not That's, horribly mad about that. Like if you do something well, it's better to do something really good, and they can just keep using you there. I feel like Trent Murphy, with what they can get out of on his contract and also just the injury history there, I feel like he's definitely more on the bubble than Hughes would be. Yeah, and well, and I think this year as well, if they buy out um, or if they, they cut um, Trent Murphy, it's only about a million dollars worth of dead cap space at that point with him. So you're, right. really, not losing, you're really not losing much um, you know, or giving up much. And I think he's got one more year left. But I, I definitely I'm okay with the Mario Addison trade. I, I again the, the money they gave him though I felt like you could have given that to a Shaq Lawson. Um, I hated seeing Shaq go to Miami, but uh, you know I also heard that Buffalo had a contract offer into him, but he you know obviously who can turn down the amount of money that he was getting paid from from Miami at that point. But um, yeah, I, I I'm. Big fan of Mar- Mario Addison. I think he can he can come in and and at least produce. You know he hasn't slowed down. Age has just been a number for him. So he's been playing with a high motor for a while. All right, listen. I had a similar thought when I saw the money on Mario Addison because the cap hit comes out to te- over ten million dollars for the next three years, which sounds like a lot. But I, when I started looking it up, I feel like it's only because Mario Addison doesn't have a ton of name recognition. All right, over the last. Four years, he has 39 sacks. That's 11th in the NFL over that span. And I, you know, do you guys, I, I screenshot the top 20. You know all of these names, probably except for Mario Addison. And he played in Carolina, maybe. I don't know if he's just not getting FaceTime on TV or what. But Chandler Jones, Aaron Donald, Daniel Hunter, Cameron Jordan, Von Miller, Ryan Kerrigan, Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, Frank Clark, Cialis Campbell. That's the top 10. Those are na- household names for football fans. 11, Mario Addison. 12, Yannick Ngakwe, Jason Pierre-Paul, Everson Griffin, TJ Watt, Vic Beasley, Justin Houston, Chris Jones, Geno Atkins, Carlos Dunlap. Those are all great names to be around. And I feel like of those, Mario Addison might be like one of the lowest name recognition guys on that list, but his production's always been there. Yeah, uh, again, age has just been a number for him. So you look at you look at his age; he's uh, thirty two right now. Um, he definitely hasn't slowed down. Um, but again, I, I also felt like you had Shaq Lawson, who was finally coming into his prime. Um, who I think could could have been a starter on this team, but you know he's getting a chance to go somewhere else. He's going to be a three down defensive end somewhere else, and good for him. Um, but I would really like to see Buffalo go out and get someone uh, young. You know, someone early in the second round. I think would be you know or, or with their second round pick, go out and get another edge rusher uh, to kind of learn between but behind these three veterans that you have on the team. 
Yeah, I would. Li- I would be in favor of that. I know, and I know everyone's big knock as well is that it's another Carolina Panther. But. <laughs> hey, McDermott knows knows him better than anybody. Absolutely. All right, so listen, we need to talk about the other major development around the Bills. That is Tom Brady leaving the New England Patriots, going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's huge. You called it, man. You d- <laughs> told you. Trust the process. <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, you called that. Listen, he has a dangerous receiving core out there, a dangerous cast. He's got. I feel like that's a good fit for him as long as him he can learn the, the Bruce Arians offense. That's a good fit. I'm more interested in what it does for the AFC East picture. I think Adam Ziglis, the cartoonist for the Buffalo News, he had a really good cartoon on this. I like when he does the sports ones. He, it, had, uh, it was like a split screen. On, on the left, it said, The Buck, B-U-C, and it was Tom Brady holding up a, a New Jersey. And then on the right, it said, The Buck, B-U-C-K, and it was a picture of the Bills logo basically throwing off the Patriots from the AFC East uh, contenders. And that's exactly exactly it. The Bills, at current time, have a significantly better roster than the New England Patriots. They still have Bill Belichick. They still need a quarterback. They're still going to make moves. But I think the Bills have a great, great shot to win the division. Yeah, I think so, too. I think they have, um, you know, everything's kind of lining up. They keep bolstering their already very good defense. Um and they're only getting better on defense. I think bringing in Vernon Butler and um, uh, and Josh Norman this year, um, you know, bringing in Qu- Quentin Jefferson. I'm more excited about bringing in Quentin Jefferson, I think, than Lamar Addison uh, for that defense. But all this is doing right now is just making that defense so much better. Um, I, I also, you know, really like the fact that they re-signed Quentin Spain, so you're keeping your offensive line together as well. You're allowing them to build that continuity um, and allowing them to continue to gel with one another. Um, but as far as Brady goes, man, and as far as that AFC East goes, um, I like Buffalo's chances. I'd like it a lot more if, um, you know, they're able to go out and get that one more big-name player. You know, I know we've all heard it today. Um, you know, obviously, Todd Gurley was cut today by, um, by the by the Rams, so he's available. No, I don't want to see Buffalo and get Todd Gurley. I'm not a not a big Todd Gurley fan. You know, uh, for all the injuries he's had to face and everything he's had to go through, I just don't think that's a guy I want to, want to pay a lot of money to right now. But Melvin Gordon is available. If you can go get Melvin Gordon for maybe a one year nine million dollar deal, give him a proof of contract. Let him come in and prove himself. Uh, one year, $9 million, you put him with this offense that's already going to be explosive enough with Stephon Diggs, John Brown, and Cole Beasley, you add Melvin Gordon to that with uh, Devin Singletary and Josh Allen, there's no doubt in my mind at that point that this team goes on to win the AFC East, if not is contending for a first-round bye um, in, the, for, in the playoffs. Remember, there's only one first-round buy now. I still think the right. Chiefs and the Ravens are significantly ahead. Man, but the they Ravens do have made some great moves this week too, though. Yeah, they have. But it's gonna come down to it's gonna come down to the playoffs. If that's if that's how you feel about it, you're just hoping to not not draw those two as as long as you can. Did you notice? So I I I don't know if you've picked up on this or not. Every player that they've signed was a two to three year contract, right? 
How okay. many years does Josh Allen have left in his contract? Josh Allen has, uh, well, t- basically two, three. Right, so he's two years in, a pl- in an option, right? Right. And they're going to so pick what, up the option. Uh, 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 obviously, unless he comes out this year and just has a Mitch Trubinsky year. Um, but what it to me, that's telling me that they are in it to win it now. They're in win-it-now mode. We got Josh Allen. We got Devin Singletary. We got Dawson Knox all on rookie contracts. You got Trey White, who's, who's going to get paid. If not this year, he's going to get paid next year. Um, well, he has to get paid next year's contracts up. But they, they, they have to pay Trey White at some point. And you still got uh, Tremaine Edmonds on a rookie contract. A lot of your big stars are still on rookie contracts and not costing you a lot of money. And they're in win-now mode. And I absolutely love the thinking that um, – that Brandon Bean is doing and putting them in a win-now mode to go out and get the guys they need to do to help them their team succeed and to help their team take that next step. And and a lot of the guys they're adding to are guys that have had playoff experience, which I think is huge. Yeah, it's always good to bring into the locker room. So I think my one of my biggest takeaways just, just inside inside one Bill's drive is that the pieces are there. This is Josh Allen's shot to take it and run with it. And I don't know if he's ready to do that or not, but he's he's going to have to be because the, everything's there. And if he can't take it and run with it next year, that would be very concerning to me. And I know I literally just said they're going to pick up his option because that's what teams do. Um, if, if things go poorly, I could see them basically saying we gave him every single thing possible and what happened, but right. I don't know, like, we don't have to talk negative like that in, in March, we can, we can stay a little bit more optimistic about it, but I do want to get into a point that you had mentioned on the last podcast, is backup quarterback might be an area to improve on here, and not, not that he should threaten Josh's job, just in the sense that this roster is ready to go for a playoff run, should anything happen to Josh Allen, who's sort of injury-prone, who runs a lot, who takes big hits, I don't know that you want Matt Barkley coming in. No, but, you know, I think the guy that you and I both mentioned about wanting to bring in was Case Keenum. He's signed in Cleveland. Um, So, you know, he's there to back up Baker. Um, But, you know, I I don't know who else is out there right now that I, I would feel comfortable with them bringing in well enough. I, I really like, and I know I said this last time as well, uh, I really like McCown. I know he's a guy, he's 40-something years old, but the guy has shown that he can come in, and if he's still willing to play another year, the guy has shown that he can come in and he can play, he can still ball. The guy can still play the game, and the guy's a tough, tough guy, and he's done a great job helping mentor young quarterbacks over his time. You know, he, he was just in Philly, backed up Carson Wentz, he was in New York and was backing up um, you know, Sam Darnold for a year. So he, he, he's he got that experience, right? Um, so I'd be okay with that. The only other one that I could see them possibly even thinking about bringing in, but I don't know if at this point of his career he'd want to be a backup, would even be like a, a, a Jameis Winston. He's a guy that has upside. He's a guy that, you know, yes, we saw what he did in Tampa. He lost Tampa a lot of games last year. Tampa very easily should have been a playoff team last season with Jameis Winston. But the dude was blind, which he came out and admitted, and then the team came out and admitted that he was legally blind. He's gotten that fixed. 
Um, but I feel like you get a guy like a Jameis Winston, he, you know he can come in. You know he can throw touchdowns. He threw 33 of them last season. You know he's got some upside. But is he going to be willing to take a back backup quarterback role? I don't know. I could also see Jameis ended up in, in New England. Hmm. I, I can't. I can't right now. I can't see Jameis doing that unless his market significantly dried up. But you raised a good question. Who is going to be the Patriots quarterback next year? Um, I would be really worried if he if he did go to New England because Belichick could coach that out of him, and he's got he's got the good parts. You just got to get the negative parts out. So that would be fairly worrisome, I think, if if Jameis went to New England. I don't know that Belichick would want to put up with him. But I would be scared about it. You know, I um, I was thinking about this, right? And and a little off topic, so just hear me out real quick. Do you think that Tom Brady is going to go to Tampa and prove everyone just to how good he was and maybe that Belichick wasn't the greatest coach? Or... Is it going to be Belichick still being Belichick? Because I, I, I get it. People have brought up the whole Matt Castle thing to me. And, oh, well, you know, they still made the playoffs with Matt Castle and Brady was hurt and yada, yada, yada. But they also had a great team at that point. They didn't have – they weren't in the same situation, I feel like, as they are now. They've, they've lost a lot of players to, to free agency, a lot of key players to free agency this offseason. Um, and I feel like at the same time they're kind of coming in and they're, they're starting a little bit new. And it's something that we haven't seen in New England before. So are they going to be looking to, um, you know, I don't want to say it, tank for Trevor. <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, you know, I don't, I don't feel like that's in Belichick's blood. But are we going to, to finally see, hey, maybe all these years when everyone thought that Belichick was such a great coach, maybe it wasn't Belichick. Maybe it was really just Brady who was that good. Well, I think... Until I'm proven otherwise, and honestly, I don't know if Brady's, given his age, it would prove anything. I think we can think that they are both probably one of the best coaches and one of, if not the greatest quarterbacks we've ever seen. And they happen to be together, and they had a lot of success by being paired together. But I think they've accomplished enough each where we don't, I wouldn't take anything away from either of them if the other had had success without them. So if Brady has a huge year, he's got a, he's got a lot of weapons there. That's very possible. I think that's not a bad fantasy pick. I like Brady's still got it and he knows, he knows what to do mentally and he's got enough physically. Belichick is proven. He is smarter than you. He knows what he's doing. He's going to make it work. May, this year, I don't know. that it's, It is interesting to think about next year's draft already. But I still think he's going to figure something out. It, the Patriots, they might not be 12-4 and four again, but they're still going to be tough. Um, I saw the betting, the betting odds. The Patriots are still the favorite to win the division, believe that, believe it or not. Yeah, but that, that'll change. I think, you know... Unfortunately, I you don't think think how much worse could they? How much worse could their opinion be? I think that'll change once you get into like OTAs and stuff. And I think once you get through the draft, um, I could see that then changing. Um, it's just going to take some time. I mean, you're only 
a, a really couple of days in, and 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 the one big splash that Buffalo really made was Stephon Diggs. So I feel like the betting lines right now aren't really paying that much attention to it. Um, well, if you want to get in on that right now, FanDuel has New England plus one hundred five, Buffalo plus one forty five. So that's you bet a hundred dollars, you win one hundred and forty five if the Bills win the division. Jets are plus six fifty, Dolphins plus eight hundred. So I'm looking at right now the Patriots week one bets. So Brady's obviously not coming back. So we there's a lot of options there for week one. Do any of these? I'm gonna I'm gonna go down the list with you, and I want you to name to me which one of these guys sounds like they can go in and win a win a division, win the AFC East for New England. Okay. Okay. Jared Statham. No. Cam Newton. Cam is a guy, he, that's who I would pick to go to the Patriots. I, I looked up the other day of everyone who's played against the Patriots since since Belichick got there in 2000. There's like seven guys that have a winning record against the Patriots. Cam Newton is on top of the list. He's 2-0 against the Patriots. We know Belichick has... I, I'm, not, I'm not a big fan of Cam Newton, man. <laughs> I've, I've never really been a big Cam Newton fan. Part of it is because, you know, because I've married into a, a Gator family. Um I still hold some hostility against Cam Newton for, for what he did at Florida and going to Auburn and then winning a national championship there. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I don't see him going in and being an upgrade, I guess, or, or even a lateral um, grade at that position. I feel like yeah. you, know, you bring a guy like Cam Newton, that's a, that's a big downgrade. And, and, and I guess anyone you bring in right at this point is a downgrade from Tom Brady. But I feel I feel like you're taking a, a a big chance with with a guy like Cam Newton. Yeah. All right. So so I but for that I would say, I think the Bills are most likely to win the division with Cam. But there are certainly scenarios where they win the division with Cam. So I'd say it's possible. Okay. How about Andy Dalton? Man, I think Dalton stinks. Um, okay. I would. I mean, there's even fewer scenarios where they do. May um, they still could. But I think much more unlikely than Cam. What about Dalton coming into being a backup quarterback in Buffalo? Hmm. If he's open to that, I would not be opposed to that. I think right now, I know Cincinnati's kind of looking to trade him right now. You know, I know he's not a free agent. Um, but I mean, if you can move him draft day for a six round pick, I'm okay with that. And you bring him in for a year to back up Josh. I'm, if I'm totally he, if he was comfortable him. backing up, I would not right. be opposed to that. He's got some good experience. There's not a lot of places I feel like he can go now where they really don't have a, a starting quarterback other than maybe San Diego, but San, or sorry, Los Angeles. But the Chargers have already come out and said they're going to push forward with, with uh, Tarod Taylor next Tyrod, season. Tyrod, I love it. No, no, huh? dude, he came out last year. It's Tyrod. No, it's not. It's Tyrod. His <laughs> mother, who doesn't even call him Tyrod, calls him Tyrod. She calls him by some Italian name. It's Tyrod. <laughs> I heard this whole argument on NFL Network today with them going back and forth on, on the proper pr- it's, pronunciation okay, of his it's name. It's Tyrod. We, we need sports back if we're <laughs> going to be debating people's names at this yeah. point. Um but happy, right, so happy for him. I'm, you can't hate Tyrod. No, I, I, I'm happy to see him get another chance with, with the Chargers. And he's back with Anthony Lynn, who, um, who he was with for, I believe, a year here when Rex left. So he had a year with, you know, maybe half a year, one game with Anthony Lynn. 
but uh, I'm okay. Oh, with no, that. he he Anthony, he did not play the game. Anthony Lynn. That's right. He did not play that. But game. Anthony Lynn was, right. was on a team when Tyrod was here. That's right. Thank you. Yes, he did not play. That's right. I forgot that he said out that game. That was another. That's another bad year that we <laughs> yeah. sucked. All right, who else on this list? Forget those years. So the other. So the rest of the names on the list. Let me know if any of them sound interesting to you. Jameis Winston. Jacoby yeah. Brissett. Winston is interesting to me, like we said. Brissett, I'm not too worried about that. Uh, so James Winston is a plus 600, and Cam Newton, just so you know, is a plus 200. Yeah, that makes right sense. Now, according to Bet Online, um, you got Derek Carr. I'm not afraid of Derek Carr. Uh, Cody Kessler. Nope. Jimmy G. If I don't think he's going to become available, but if he was, yes, I would be worried about him in New England. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he's becoming available. I think they made it clear that they're holding on to him. You know, I think if they were going to make him available, they would have brought in Tom Brady. You know, fairly quickly, and not have turned that down. Right. Um, Jacoby Brissett interests me because I'm going to be curious to see how he handles himself going in, going from being a starter for. Um, for a year now, and I, I didn't think he played too bad. I thought injuries kind of held him up a little bit in in Indianapolis. Um, I'm going to be curious to see if he's going to want to stay there and back up Philip Rivers, or if they're or, or what they're going to do. I mean, if they go out and draft the quarterback, it, you know, early on in the draft or, or or top, you know, first three rounds in the draft, I could see them moving Brissett, and at that point, I could see Belichick trying to jump on it real quick. Um, but no, I, I do not see Brissett being being a threat to Buffalo. Um, you know, or being a threat uh, for that AFC's title. Um, so the other two names left on the list are Joe Flacco, who was just cut today. Um, I don't see him. I'm not really worried about Joe Flacco either, um, although he did do a good job carving Buffalo apart two years ago in the opener. Yeah, I was going to ask you about Flacco if he was on this list. I think that's sort of an interesting name just because he has had some success, and you're always like low key worried that Belichick will work his dark arts and find a way to rejuvenate these guys. So anyone who's had success like that is going to be more scary to me. So not crazy worried about Joe Flacco. He's pretty, I think he's washed, but if anybody could get something out of him, it would be Belichick. Well, Joe Flacco is a plus thirty three hundred. So if you're feeling really, I mean, you might take yeah, just but they they gave him a failed physical designation, so I'm not sure what that's all about. Yeah, I know he was hurt at the end of the year, so I'll be curious to see how that how that works out. Um, the other uh, here's your final option, mm-hmm. and this guy is a plus ten thousand. <laughs> see a joke, big, big underdog, <laughs> Eli Manning. Oh my gosh. Um, if he came out of retirement, I would. Yeah, I, mean, I, I wouldn't be like worried, worried, but I would be just intrigued. Period. I mean, if they can get him to come out of retirement, I think that that's a huge. Yeah, step I think forward. he would be. He would be better than a lot of guys you mentioned on this list. I like it's unlikely, given that he's most likely going to stay retired. But he, I think he would do better than several other people you mentioned. Out of all those names, who you had to pick one of those names right now? Who's the starter next season? I'm going to go with Cam Newton. Okay, I'm going to go with Jared Statham. I think Jared showed enough, um, you know, at least for a year that he can come in and, and and be the quarterback of that team. I mean, hell, he sat behind Tom Brady for a year, and I think at this point Belichick would rather keep someone in there that knows his system 
um, and knows how Belichick wants to work. I feel like Cam Newton's work ethic is not New England Patriot work ethic. Hmm. He's not a no days off guy. That's we'll put true. It that way. I, I feel like that's not something. I feel like that's a, an easy deterrent um, for for Belichick at that point. But you never know. I, I'd be interested. Um, so real real quick, because I know we're going to wrap up here shortly. Everything going down in Houston, right? They just traded um, uh, Hopkins. Hopkins. They brought in a very often injured running back. Um do you see Deshaun Watson on the move this offseason? Oh, man, I don't think so. I don't. I think they – it seems like like teams who ship away other star players, like they know who who's not movable. I think Deshaun Watson is clearly in that category. The market for him would be outrageous if he became available. I think the only way he moves, right, is if he walks in and says, what the heck are you guys doing to me? Get me out of here. Well, the friggin' offensive line they gave him was so bad, he might have a case. Well, yeah, I mean, they gave him a terrible offensive line, right? They gave him... You're trying to replace Hopkins with Randall Cobb, first of all, which I think is is, is ridiculous. Um, They signed another receiver today, but I I don't really pay too much attention to what Houston's doing. Um, But, but... The only way I see Deshaun Watson really going, because I've heard his name float around a lot for New England. You know, it's Belichick maybe making a move that way. But we know Belichick likes to pile up his draft picks. He doesn't like to really move draft picks for players. Um, He's one of those build-it-through-the-draft type of guys. I don't see him moving a first, and which would probably have to be multiple first-round picks, um, to go and and move to go get a guy like Deshaun Watson. I, I just don't see it happen. I also don't see any other stars on this team, maybe other than Stefan Gilmore, uh, who could really match what what they would, you know, what the ask price would be for Deshaun Watson. I don't see Stefan Gilmore being moved to Houston. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned even the Patriots tanking potentially. I think their defense is too good. Like even if they tr- like even if their offense was lousy, they'd still win enough games where they wouldn't have like a top 3 pick. Well, that's the thing too, though, right? Like their their offense was bad last year. Like everyone flat out said how bad their offense was last year. Um, this year you're losing Brady. You still have you know pretty same solid core of receivers. You're bringing back Sanu again for another year. Um, but who's throwing in the ball? That's that's going to be the big question, and that's going to be to me the make or break. Um, if it's one of the guys on the bottom of that list that that I read off to you, you know the. The Derek Carr, the Cody Kessler, the Joe Flacco, even the Jacoby Brissett, I don't think they win the, the AFC East. Uh, I think with the Jameis Winston, a Cam Newton, or a Jared Stedham, they they have that ability to to possibly win it. I don't think they're going to walk away with it like they have in years past. Um, I think it might come down to week 16 or uh, you know week 17 or now, I guess, what is it now, week 18? Because they add another game? That doesn't start until 2021. The next season? Yeah. Playoffs start right away, though. Yes. So, okay. That's where I got confused with the new CBA. No problem. I didn't have my lawyer look it over before <laughs> I uh, made comments on it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, that that's what um, 
That's what I think. I think if you get one of the top guys on that list outside of a uh, outside of an Andy Dalton, I'll, I, I I don't see them being contenders. I think it's going to be a tight race for the AFC East. And I hate to say it, man, as much as I can't stand them, I think the Jets could also make a run, and I feel like people are also sleeping on the Jets. You're getting a healthy Sam Darnold this year. You're getting, a, uh, you know, hopefully a mono-free Sam Darnold at this point. Hopefully he can stop making out with all of New York City, um, <laughs> you know. But they they can also make a run. They, they had a good team towards the end of last season, and they have a good defense. And if Le'Veon Bell could move, move that ball, what they wanted him to do the, the last year, and Adam Gase is not Adam Gase it up. <laughs> um, they may don't they count may on that. have a chance. No, <laughs> you you never know with him. He's such an up and down coach. Um, but I f- I feel like it's going to be a three ra- three way race for that um, AFC's crown. Well, hey man, if that's how you feel, there's money to be made. Absolutely. I might have to go uh, play some bets after we're done here. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We're still working on legal sports betting in in New York State for the mobile apps. It's legal in person at the casinos, but not mobile. It's a work in progress. Yeah. We can't go to the casinos now. They're all closed. That's true. That's true. (laughs) They should give us mobile just to make up for it. Absolutely. They they (laughs) should. All those bettors that need it, they got to help them somehow. Uh, seriously, what are that? That's in a story I haven't read yet. Like, what are degenerates doing right now? I mean, are the are the uh, OTB still open? Um, well, horses like horses just need a like they need a run. Period. So I think I have seen some horse races like still going on because it's like the horses are going to run anyway. You might as well just line up up on the track and stuff on the grass on the field. Right. You know, um, that's true. Horses could still be going. But if that's how I gotta get but my it, betting fix, I know. That's but it's, it's like my betting fix. like Brazilian stuff, like like really obscure things. That that would be an interesting story. Like what are degenerate gamblers throwing their money on during the coronavirus? Now I now got to go and research this for the next podcast so we could get this uh, this one out to the people. I feel like we're not the only ones that are curious about this at this point. All right, that'll be our our weird thing for next week, man. <laughs> I like it. I like it. All right, that's going to that's gonna do it for us today, right? That's it, man. I appreciate everybody uh, tuning in and listening. Uh, you guys can find us at the underscore process pod on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Chawit68. Nick, what's your uh, Twitter handle? Just my name, at Nick Veronica. At Nick Veronica. I love it. Well, guys, thanks for listening. We appreciate you guys always tuning in. Remember to like, rate, and subscribe. Um, And as always, trust the process.